Welcome to the Assemblée Dance Studio podcast, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in growing and running your dance studio. I'm your host, Claire O'Shea, and I'm a dance studio owner and business coach, helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business, and become the go-to dance studio in your area. Want to grab a free copy of my Dance Studio Growth Marketing eBook? Sign up for a free copy today of the ebook 97 Simple Strategies to Grow Your Dance Studio by going to assemblédancestudiocoaching.com forward slash marketing ebook. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes released weekly. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Katie. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be chatting with you. So for people who don't know you and say if we've never met, never spoken before, can you tell me a little bit about you and your business and how you started working specifically with dance studio owners or dance teachers? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Katie Groven and I'm the owner of dancerfitness.com where we help dance coaches and teachers optimize their dancer skills using strength training with an online exercise and training plan database designed exclusively for dancers. So I am an ACSM certified personal trainer. I'm a holistic health coach. I danced for 25 years. I'm a world champion hip hop dancer. I coached for 10 of those years. So I spent my whole life with the identity of a dancer. And I am now almost a decade into being a personal trainer. And what I realized in the last couple years of my dancing, so I was about 28, 29 years old, I was becoming a personal trainer and then noticed that it was really impacting my dancing. In my competitive, I was doing palm and jazz and hip hop. All of a sudden, my skills were improving. I had more endurance. And my entire dancing career, I always had to reverse engineer a lot of my goals. Nothing came easily to me. But now all of a sudden, I felt like I was really hitting a stride as a dancer. And my coaches noticed and my teammates noticed. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm like in the gym, I'm training outside of our practices. So the word of that sort of spread between my teammates and they were like, well, train me, teach me how to do this. Like, look at your dancing. And then that spread even further. I started training around the state of Minnesota, um, training studios and dance teams about how to take strength training and use it to optimize your skills. Then I was traveling around the Midwest. Then I was lecturing on the other side of the country. And then I was, you know, eight, nine months pregnant with my first daughter, Hazel, and I was doing burpees. And every time I would do a burpee, the kids would run up to me because they thought I was going to like fall or get hurt. And I was like, okay, I'm exhausted. And it's really hard to work out with this big belly, but I still want to keep reaching everybody. So that's why I created dancerfitness.com because I wanted them to have the same resources that were in my head, the exercises, the training plans. I wanted them to have a one-stop shop for safe and effective training for their dancers. Um, so it's been a really great way to be able to reach a ton of dancers. It's allowed me the opportunity to then have another daughter, Amelia, and still reach, you know, I have, I have members in, um, in Europe and in Australia and, and just it, like all over the world, people who I never would actually be able to meet in person. So it's allowed me this amazing opportunity and, um, I love it. I love it so much. So basically it's, it was a passion. It positively impacted me and I knew more people needed to know. Amazing. And you said 
um, that it's more of like an online resource now. I'm sure you do stuff. Well, maybe, maybe even this year has been a blessing for you in the transition into COVID then already being online and established. So say if I was a studio owner looking to um, download your programs, implement your programs in my studio, is there like certain streams for different age groups or is there like beginner and intermediate levels or do you kind of go through and go, okay, well, you're, students are this age this is what I would recommend like how 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 does someone go about it when they're starting with you sure so the website itself what I love most about it is we have this amazing filtering tool and it says my dancers need to strengthen there and dot 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 and inside of that filtering tool you can choose the level of your dancer you can choose do you want them to increase their flexibility their power their balance and then you can also pick a skill so is it for turns extension is it their ankles is it their hamstrings so you can break the body down and say what part of my dancers bodies need to improve or what skill needs to improve what level are they and then every training plan and exercise that fits within that filter will appear for you and you can download them, print them. And so that's the website itself. But also the great thing about Dancer Fitness as a brand is I do custom training plans. I do virtual boot camps. So I'm around, I'm available to work with people in that way as well. But the website itself, it's there's tons of pre-made content. But if you need access to me, I'm there in the private Facebook group. So you can message me. I get messages from my members every day that say, hey, I have a dancer who actually I was just responding to one before we we're chatting. Hey, we're working on handstands and they're feeling a lot of pain in their wrist. What should I do? Do you have any recommendations? And then I send them over some exercise recommendations. So there's a lot of um, avenues through Dancer Fitness that studio owners could access. Yeah. Awesome. And so like I know, for instance, one of my teachers, she's um, taking our like strength and conditioning class for our performance teams. And, you know, she's been um, doing her best and, you know, with what she's got and all the information. And now she's like, okay, well, I've done everything already in 10 weeks. And she's been looking for programs. Um, She was looking for more uh, technique-based programs but because it's a stretch and strength class, I was saying to her, like, oh, make sure there's still those elements of fitness involved. So is yours more of like gym exercises and stretches and, you know, things like that, that are just targeted at a dancer's body? Or is there also like drills and stuff involved? So that's really funny. I've invented a word. I think I've invented it and it's called strength meek, which is strength <laughs> training for technique, because I really believe that strength training fills in the gaps that technique can't reach. So on the website itself, it is body weight and band, like athletic band okay. exercises and the training plans and the exercises are very much fitness focused, but it's very clear what type of technique and skills they directly relate to because our training plans might be called turn technique. And so what I recommend is taking this turn technique training plan that's maybe four to six exercises, doing these strength training exercises before you do technique because it's going to save you time later because what coaches and teachers are going to start you know, realizing is 
they say the same cues to their dancers over and over again. Pull up in your passe, drop your hip, stay high in that releve. We say it to our dancers over and over again, but if our dancers don't understand which muscles are responsible for staying in releve and pulling up, like what is pulling up? I'm doing air quotes, everyone. What is pulling up mean to dancers? Maybe it's their arms. They lift their shoulders to their ears. They Maybe they just like unhook their knee, their, you know, their toe from their knee and their passe. And now everything gets, gets wonky. But when you do these, these strengthnique exercises, your dancers go, okay, if I want to stay in releve, well, that's going to be my ankle and my quads and my glutes. I understand how to utilize these muscles. So when my coach says, hey, Susie, pull up, I get it. I know what I'm supposed to do. It's a blueprint for their body. That's, I'm just like laughing over here because I say it all the time as well, like, you know, pull up, pull up. And the kids are like, they, they, some of them get it. And then some of them are like, what? Like they just don't, like they think that they're, they're doing what you're doing. But like you said, their, their shoulders are coming up or they're trying to like lengthen their spine more, which is, you know, not bad to lengthen their spine more. But like you said, what I'm meaning is like rise up on your um, demi point more, like strengthen your ankle. I'm meaning um, tighten your quads and your glutes and really use your leg muscles to lengthen. But like when I'm saying pull up, that's not, what's coming out. So that's really interesting. And I'm sure that there's other people listening that can relate to that. So with all that in mind, like you're running an online business, you're um, a mom, you are, I'm sure, you know, lots of day-to-day other stuff. And so tell me a little bit about yourself and what your regular day looks like at the moment. Sure. My regular day at the moment is chaos. And I, yes, I wear a lot of hats. I'm a a mom to two toddlers. I run this business. I'm a wife. I'm also a competitive power lifter. And so, yes, I um, love lifting heavy, heavy weights. And this came from growing up as a dancer and actually growing up with a lot of body issues and, um, you know, having a hard time accepting my body and the way it looked. And really when I started lifting heavy weights and seeing what my body was capable of. It was super empowering. So that's a whole nother part of my day as well. But I wake up with a one-year-old and, you know, I've got my babies and I have to get them off to daycare. And then I take care of myself, which has been a journey taking the time to do that. I'll work out. You know, of course my husband is running around there. He's very, very helpful and very supportive as well. But then I am, you know, I jump in my private Facebook page for my members. We connect, I answer questions there. I'm creating training plans for coaches and teams guest blogging, podcast interviews, YouTube videos, um, creating tons of content. And then before you know it, it's time to go get the girls and it's, you know, owning your own business. I love being my own boss, but I never get to turn it off. And it's a challenge for me. So there's, you know, nights where boundaries are very thin. And once the kids are asleep, it's back to work. And I have a virtual assistant. Her name is Shaden and she's incredible. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm probably going to have to get somebody else on my team because of how we're growing and, and, you know, being able to show up as a mommy and a wife and an entrepreneur in the way that I want to as a creator and a, a you know, a go-getter, nothing's ever like enough. <laughs> so it's been great success. Um, but it's very busy and a little bit chaotic sometimes, but I kind of love it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, anyone, everyone listening can relate to that in some way, whether they're a parent or they're not a parent, but, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are business owners. And I think a lot of the time we get 
started and involved because we're like, oh, we'll have all this time and flexibility. Yeah. And, and you do have more flexibility to a degree and it's really rewarding, but there is a lot more involved than I think well, than I ever anticipated. And I'm sure than a lot of other people anticipated also. So it's really there's so many highs and it's really important to share that. But I think that um, sometimes as well, we, we only share the good things. So the day-to-day challenges and struggles are important to talk about as well. And nobody tells you when you choose to be a business owner, whether it's an online service or it's a brick and mortar, it's a studio. I mean, you are the accountant, you're the marketing team, you're the social media team, you're the face of it, you're your customer relations, you are literally every single thing. I'm still learning about, you know, search engine optimization. I'm still learning how to really make sure my website is working well on the back end and, um, you have to learn a lot on the fly. And nobody told me that when I thought I want to work for myself because I don't want to have a boss anymore. Yeah. A hundred percent. And there's always, you know, I, like I, when I talk to my clients, I'm talking to them about, you know, you don't have to be perfect at everything. Like you can't be the master of all, but you know, you, you do have to be good at a lot of things because when you, particularly when you start, you don't have the time or the money to invest in a website expert. So you have to, you know, do your best and kind of do, I guess, you know, above average job to get that going until later on when you have the time and the energy or the money, um, unless you become some type of tech wizard in the, in the meantime. But yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm sure that everyone listening can relate to that. So with that in mind, like you said, you're running an online business and you had started your business before COVID. I'd love to know how, you know, you've thought about growing your online business and whether this, whether it pivoted for you in any way during COVID times or whether because you were already established, you will like, you found it not easy, but simpler to kind of keep growing and transitioning where a lot of people who had only brick and mortar businesses and not only as in, in a negative way, but they didn't have that online element yet. I wonder whether, you know, did you have to pivot or change in any way as we went into COVID? So it's actually really interesting. And that's a great question. I ended up, I was on maternity leave with my daughter, Amelia, when COVID really hit. So I already had a bunch of content and newsletters and blogs. I had everything batched out already, um, ready to go. But so for a moment I thought, oh, everything's set. I'm just gonna like coast and let this happen. And then I realized, no, this is an opportunity. And as horrible as COVID was, it was actually really incredible for my business because all the dancers who were in their studios or in their high school teams, they all had to go home. and so. I was able to then put on my marketing hat and start saying, hey, I'm not just a resource for safe dancing. Now I'm a resource for your dancers who are at home. And for all of you studio owners and coaches who now have to just hope you're going to keep progressing as a team, here's another resource for you to make sure that your dancers are staying conditioned. So I did pivot a little bit in, in my marketing, in, in my, you know, what's going to make me stand out, but I was really lucky that I already had an online resource that was there. That was honestly one of the best months of business were those first few months of COVID for me. And I'm glad that those, those studio owners and those coaches felt that I was a safe choice for them and for their dancers. And they're still members today. So I'm doing something right, which I appreciate seeing that feedback from them. And I'm so grateful that, that they chose me as a good resource for them. Yeah. Amazing. I know 
again, like you said, COVID is and was horrible. And I know so many people lost their businesses and it's just so many terrible things about it. But I also know there's a lot of people who pivoted and I don't want to say even made the best out of a bad situation because, because some people tried to, and it still didn't work, but it was just that, you know, whether it be luck or timing or whatever it was, it just, it was a really good time for their business. And, you know, even though for some people it wasn't, and that's so awful and terrible, like I am thankful that some people were able to really flourish during this time. So it's um, really interesting to hear as well that transition uh, into online business, particularly for people who were already in that position and as well as for people who had to really make that change quickly. So that's really good to hear. Um, and you mentioned about, you know, working with dance studio owners and dance teachers as they were sort of transitioning into their online classrooms. But, you know, for you potentially with your broad reach, you are now still working with people who are online and you're back with people who are in the classroom. So what is one thing that you notice that dance studio owners or dance teachers are struggling with their customers currently? Is there a particular theme or is it different depending on the business and the location? What I'm noticing most consistently is there is a challenge with the new block scheduling that competitions are falling into this year. The issue with that is, well, one, dancing with a mask. I understand and I appreciate why we're wearing masks. I just want to say that first. I understand it and I appreciate it. It's very challenging for the dancers to dance with a mask. And I'm not saying they shouldn't dance with a mask. I'm saying that we need to get a little bit more education and some training to increase their endurance and help them train some muscles for better posture so they can incre- they can increase the amount of oxygen that they're taking in so they can get more oxygen oxygen to their muscles so that they can stay energized and stay you know powerful throughout their entire routines but that's another thing but um, so what I'm hearing from studio owners is as they're reaching out to me they're saying hey first competition we're already injured because the block scheduling, we're dancing one routine, one right after the other, nine routines in two hours. We have no time to breathe, no time to recover, and we're dancing in our masks, so our dancers are exhausted by routine three. Um, So that's been the biggest struggle so far this year, has been how we're taking COVID and making it work for competitions. And if you had like one tip, obviously, other than signing up to your program, um, is there anything that you would recommend like people start with to get them, get them on the way to improving um, before they were to look at something more serious, like um, reaching out to you and putting in a regime? I know, like you said about the mask, how it's um, important and imperative and totally I'm all on board with that as well. And um from what I have seen and heard, it, it doesn't decrease your oxygen like levels in your body. But I know even just like getting a little bit puff, like I'm an asthmatic, um, I'm pregnant as well at the moment. So even like, you know, if I'm walking up a hill, I'm just like, whoa, like I'm, you know, trying to breathe in more. And it might, it feels like you're not getting it in. So is, is training with a mask? Like what, what is some of the recommendations that you have? Absolutely. And um, I have asthma as well. I have sport induced asthma. So I know the feeling and I, as I mentioned, training boot camps, pregnant, that was tricky. (laughs) 
Um, a lot of the studios are already training with masks on just because True. of the mask mandates that we have. But what I'm recommending is that in between routines, dancers are taking the time to lay on their back and do some deep breathing with a mask off um, where if that's appropriate and where that's allowed. And what I'm recommending is that they actually place their hands on their belly and feel their belly lift and fall. And then we're training the diaphragm to then be able to actually work the muscle of the diaphragm and take in more oxygen so that that's going to help them increase that endurance as they're dancing. So that would be an opportunity there to increase that and make that a little bit easier. So laying on their back, hands on their belly, really working that deep breathing for maybe just a minute. The other one is just making sure that you're helping your dancers train their core and train their upper back for nice posture. Better posture will make breathing easier. So a great exercise that you can do that's going to train your core and your upper back is a plank and then doing a row, which is when you pull your elbow back towards the, you know, up towards the ceiling, kind of like a little chicken wing, and then drop it back down. And that's a very easy exercise that even if you wanted just to Google, plank and row. It's there. It's also at dancerfitness.com, but that one's great because it's going to save you time because it's a one exercise that works multiple muscle groups and it's going to help your dancers with their posture. And we're so often standing with our shoulders rolling forward because we are on our phones, we're writing, we're driving. Um, and that makes it hard for us to get in the, the oxygen that our body needs. So working, working the core and working the upper back is going to help with that as well. Absolutely. And I think that, um, even, you know, Hopefully there's a day where we don't have to wear masks anymore and it's a thing of the past and that will be an exciting time. But I don't think again, when that time comes that we'll be like, oh no, I'm so disappointed I made my dancers fitter and stronger. Right. So, right. you know what I mean? It's always going to be a benefit no matter what. And I do um, understand about the, the blocking because that's something that they implemented in Australia last year. Um, just so there wasn't as many like switchovers and you were just kind of in your own little bubble now yeah as as a as a studio owner who goes to competitions like I loved it because I knew I was only going to be there for like two or three hours and I was going to get all my routines done and then I could go home but I did see how it was harder for the dancers like a hundred percent could see that um and as but but we were sort of lucky in that like our block was our school so we had like our four age groups that were able to kind of rotate through so they did have a little bit more of a break for instance than like running an under 15 squad their five routines so we just had our time like okay that's school A goes from nine to 12 and you've got to get your 20 routines in whatever order you want done. Okay. Yeah. But we, for me personally, where I am in Australia, um, I, I mentioned this earlier in our interview, we haven't had a lot of mandatory mask wearing because we've had essentially no cases. So, um, but there was times where the kids would wear it, you know, to and from the stage and not on the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we hadn't had to deal with that element, but again, it, I know a lot of people are, so I think that would be a really, um, a really important tip for people who are, you know, finishing performance season or gearing up for next year. There's just really unsure, I guess, of how long these mandates and, you know, the requirements for a reason, like how long this will need to be going on for. So um, it's good to have those tips involved. And if they get a really strong core and great posture in the meantime, like, is, is it really a bad thing? Well, and 
to kind of go along with that, I think being aware of training for injury prevention as well, because we see a lot of injuries, a lot of overuse injuries when we're overusing, like it sounds, um, our ankles, our hips, our hamstrings, because some of our more powerful muscles, like our butt muscles, aren't being utilized correctly. And when we're not taking the time to train those muscles, we run into overuse injuries, we get hurt. And I think dance studio owners, teachers, they struggle with really making the time for strength and conditioning, especially when you're in season because you're spending so much time cleaning your routines or changing choreography. Um, But I like to remind everybody that if you don't have time to have injured dancers, you have time to do strength training, right? Making that time is going to save you time later, especially if you don't have the time to reblock your formations or if you're a dancer yourself and you just you don't want to get hurt. You have to make the time for it now. Absolutely. And would you generally recommend like a separate class to their performance team for that? Like that's how I run it, but I know it's not possible for every studio or do you think that it can be done within their class in like the first 10 to 15 minutes? Like what's the best way that you see it working or the easiest way, or I guess the most where they get the most um, benefit out of? Sure. The most benefit you'll get out of strength training is wherever you can make it consistent. So if you have time to do it outside, then that's great because you can really do that mind body connection and really take the time to work through the entire body. But with the the members that I have at dancerfitness.com, most of them, they do a dynamic warm up, they stretch, and then they do their circuit training. And when we do circuit training, it's when you pick six to eight exercises to do one right after the other. So that's about, you know, we'll call it 10 minutes of your class for specific, really intentional strength training. And as I mentioned previously, that's going to save you time later when it comes to cleaning your routines and when you're running your routines and when you're doing your turn or your jump technique, because now your cues are going to, you know, hit faster with your dancers and cleaning. I have heard from every single person who has gone through my program. We don't have to clean as much because our dancers are actually understanding how to hold their body. So now there's not like a random arm over here or someone who takes them forever to get from point A to point B. (laughs) I mean, just like randomness um, and these variations in their bodies. So I guess to answer your question, whatever you can do consistently, because five minutes of strength training every day is going to be more effective than one day of 30 minutes of strength training, you know, and then you don't see it again for another week. So wherever you can find consistency. Awesome. That was really helpful. Um, Thank you for that. Now, I talked to you a little bit about where you noticed the dance studio owners were struggling or, you know, what they were working for at the moment with their challenges. Is there one thing that, you know, if, if those challenges weren't in place, potentially we've already touched on this, but is there one thing that you think all dance studio owners and dance teachers should focus on right now? Is it that injury prevention or that consistency that you've been talking about? Yes, I would back up. I I would answer that question with exactly what we were just saying, the injury prevention. Because the other thing too is if you want to look at it from a business perspective, if you want to score really well and then people want to come to your studio because you win things, injured dancers are not going to get you there. So if you can say proudly, we don't, you know, our dancers, if they get injured, they come back quickly, or we haven't had a ton of injuries this year. So it's taking the time to do that strength training as often as you can during the week, even just five to 10 minutes of it in your warm up, 
really focusing on things like the ankles and the hips and the glutes and really looking at where are the areas that get beat up the most. And I've seen mostly ankle injuries, knee injuries, and hip injuries. And so then we have to strengthen the ankles, strengthen the quads, strengthen the hips, and strengthen the glutes. So a lot of it, and the core, of course, because a strong core gives you more control. The more control you have, the less you're going to fall over and be a, a noodley dancer. Um, so it doesn't take a lot of time, but making sure it's really intentional and not just doing a bunch of jumping jacks. Like jumping jacks are great to heat up your body, but what are you doing to really work the ankles and the hips and the glutes and the core super intentionally? So yes, injury prevention, it's going to be good for business and it's just good for the, for your dancers. Yeah, absolutely. No one wants to hurt their dancers and no one wants to see their dancers injured. And even like you said, from a really basic business point of view, if you have dancers out all the time who, depending on your system, they're not paying for classes if they're just sitting and watching or not coming, it just doesn't. And it's again, you have to, it's just so much effort. I just, it's just easier to, for everyone to be fit and healthy. So that's really awesome. Now, my last question for you today, Katie, is about sort of running your business. Like I've, you are very busy and you have an online business and so maybe yours are more online tools, but what are your three favorite tools or apps that you're using right now in your business? Or it could be, you know, your favorite app that you use in your life. Sure, sure. So Canva, the website Canva, that's how I get all of my lovely infographics and it takes all of everything that's in my head and makes it look nice and pretty. Um, Trello keeps me organized. Are you familiar with Trello? Yes, I am. I was a lover of Trello for many years and I've recently made a switch up to a different program, but Trello is still fantastic. What is your other program? Can I know what that is? Absolutely. It's called ClickUp and it is, it's next level. Like it's pretty, it's really incredible. It's that it's, there's a, I think that Trello is a bit more, not I think Trello is a little bit more user-friendly in that there's like a more basic functions, but ClickUp is really like automation, next level, like recurring. Yeah, it's just really, it's very intelligent. Yeah. Because Trello was the first sort of like organization system worked like my brain works and yeah. I'm very much like pen to paper type of person I rewrite my list constantly in fact today I just w- brought a, a whiteboard the size of a cow because I was like I just need like I'm planning my content for the next month and I'm like yeah. I just need like write it down and then I put it in Trello um and then the last app is Instagram of course I mean Instagram is I love it and I hate it it mm-hmm. is a full job just to just keep up with reels and now we can remix oh. our reels and sometimes I lay in bed at night, just scrolling through Instagram business ideas. And, and it's just, it's always changing. It's always evolving and you just have to like stay on top of it. But even all the rules that come out about how to make your, your content stand out is like, then you have to engage this way and do this. And so I like love it because it's a challenge, but sometimes you just go, Oh my goodness. Like what happened to a good old flyer in the mail? says <laughs> like, hi, I can help you. Goodbye. Yes. Oh my gosh. Those were the days I, yeah. Like sometimes I think about like when I first started my business and the way I grew my business to like a pretty substantial start size was going to markets and talking to people and like letter drops. Now I would not even bother doing that like at all. And mine started my business in 2013. So that's a really like quick progression. Yes. 
Like yes, I, yeah, I made postcards on Vistaprint. Oh and, yeah, and I printed off a bunch of mailing labels, and it was right around the holidays. And my husband and I had a Christmas movie on, and we just I I somehow I bought a list of like every dance studio in the state of Minnesota, and we just labeled those postcards, and I just mailed them out to everybody. I mean, just bananas. And now yeah, so that must have been two thousand fifteen. Mm. Yeah, was, <laughs> I. I like, and I know, I guess it really depends on your area, whether mail drops work, but like for instance, my area, I may as well just withdraw money from the ATM and throw it in the bin. Like it's just, (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Well, I have a, um, a friend who's like high up in marketing and they were like, yeah, letter drops are great if you can do three over like three weeks. And like the cost of it is, is crazy by the time you print and get it delivered. So it's just, it's insane. But yeah, like I agree with what you're saying. Instagram is incredible. Like I love it as a tool for my life. And, you know, as just, it's so clever. Like all I'm getting advertised is baby stuff and business stuff. And I'm just like, yep, tick, add that to, (laughs) you know, it's so, it's so clever. So I guess, like you said, where possible, try and use it to your advantage and don't let it overwhelm you if you can, but it's tricky sometimes I feel bad. I'll just be sitting on my phone, but I'm working. And, you know, my husband will say, Oh, you know, I deleted social media off my phone and it's been so great. I'm like, I wish I could do that, but I can't because I have to constantly, it's like watering the plant. You like, you post something and then you have to go engage afterwards and you have to just stay on top of it all the time. And it doesn't look like you're working because you're just sitting on the couch on your phone, but you're really exactly. Um, that's so true. So um, I am so thankful that you have joined us today or me, well, and my baby, so us, uh, <laughs> but we uh, finished all of those questions. I think that, you know, if no matter where a dance teacher or dance studio owner is in their journey at the moment, I'm sure they found something of that really helpful. Before we go, if you have any contact details, where should people follow you? How should people engage? You know, what can they do to reach out with you? Yes, absolutely. Well, as I've just shared, I'm always on Instagram. So it's dancer underscore fitness.com underscore. And then check out the website. It's dancer hyphen fitness.com. And just check out some of the exercises we have on there. You can do a $1 trial if you want to see what it's like to really be a member and have full access to all of the training plans and all levels of the exercises. Um, So I encourage you to try it out and just, you know, invest that $1 and just see how much more you could be doing with your dancers. And now, you know, here in the US, it's going to be summertime. You guys are the opposite seasons of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're about to have summertime where it's dance camp. And this is a really good opportunity to take the time for strength training because you're not doing a lot of other, you know, technique, choreography, things like that. Um, So Instagram and my website are the best place to find me. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Katie. It was a pleasure speaking with you and I found so much of what you were saying so interesting and informative and I'll be sure to share it with my teachers and my team as well. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to hear this when it goes live. Thank you for listening to the Assemble Dance Studio Coaching Podcast with your host, me, Claire O'Shea. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it on your stories on Instagram and tag the show or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Assemble Dance Studio Coaching. 
Tune in next week for another episode all about helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business and become the go-to dance studio in your area. See you then.